You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders, uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. When it comes to diversity in recruitment, some of the things that tend to get brought up is that people can get lazy and resort to checking a diversity box or that they're hiring for diversity's sake. That's what this podcast is about. I spoke to Donnie Small, Director for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Tech Recruiting at Facebook to discuss how to do this right. Okay, so Donnie, as a subject matter expert in diversity, what's your vision for diverse recruiting and hiring in the future? Yes, I love this question. What I would say my vision is, is to have diversity be a main ingredient and not the icing. Uh, What I mean by that is like when you're baking a cake, right? So you have like main ingredients, you have your eggs, you have your milk, you have your flour, all the things that are going to make it super yummy. Uh, But if the cake is missing the icing, it's still edible. And I look at diversity today as the icing and Mm. that's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because you can still eat that cake without the icing. And that's how I look at recruiting. And if recruiting can still go on and not have diversity as a main ingredient to it, it will continue to go on. It will just continue to be month over month, quarter over quarter, half over half, the same things that we've always done. But until we say, okay, we cannot do recruiting well unless we have diversity at the table, inclusion at the table, equity at the table being a main ingredient to everything that we do around recruiting. And for me, I even tell people who come onto my team, and it's a very um, strange way to look at this or to, to have a vision for this, and some people actually don't agree with me on it, and I'm okay with that, is I don't want us to have a job in diversity in the next 10 plus years. It should not be a job. It literally should be a part of every single thing that you do. And it's not even a second thought. It's not an afterthought. It's not the icing. I don't hear many people say that they want their jobs to become obsolete. But I I love that. It's fantastic. (laughs) Hey, maybe I can go off and sell some books on how to do this better (laughs) at some point in the future. (laughs) Sounds like a great plan. Okay, so until this vision, this, you know, not the icing is reached, what differentiates a really robust and impressive DNI hiring approach versus one that's just trying to, you know, tick a checkbox? My approach to this is really two things. Your strategy needs to be simple and it needs to be measurable. That's all that's important. Simple and measurable. Simple people can get behind. If it's too complex and it feels like it has too many legs, people tend to shy away from it. We're already talking about diversity, which is a tough topic for a lot of people. So the more simple that you can make it, the better, the more measurable you can make it because people want to see results. And the funny thing is, I say this all the time, is from a measurement standpoint around diversity, People want the quick fix. They want it solved today because it's a massive problem. Well, it's been a massive problem for decades. It's not a new problem, and but you need to look at it like we solve our technical problems. We solve our software problems. We take an iterative approach to it. Uh, we measure it. We see how to get better because once you measure things, you can improve them. But we also have to give it space 
to be measured. We have to give ourselves space around diversity to actually do the work, measure it, and see if it's successful. So for me, it's really simple and measurable as the go-to. What I would also get people to think about a little bit more of is like, what are those top two to three things that you want to do that could be super impactful and really get you to where you want to be from a diversity perspective? We're not going to solve this overnight. So like, what are those more short to midterm goals that you're actually trying to accomplish? What are those two to three things that you want to actually do that are measurable that can help you accomplish this and show your progress around these initiatives quarter over quarter, half over half, year over year? Mm, I love that. I think I could listen to you talk all day. (laughs) Donnie, what would you say are the the most common mistakes that most professionals tend to make when they're when they're trying with all good intentions to build mm-hmm. a diverse team, whether it's a you know, conscious mistake or a subconscious mistake. Yeah. Yeah. This is tough, right? Because I feel like most people who raise their hand to actually say, I'm a leader who's going to invest in diversity. I want to be inclusive. I want to build a strategy that works for, for my company and for my team. So their hearts are in the right place. But sometimes business needs get in the way and kind of convolute things a little bit. And people get into the checking of the box mentality of, hey, did I bring this talent in the door to review? But I really didn't have an intention on hiring them, but I really wanted to have a diverse slate of talent to consider. Well, that's a terrible Mm -hmm. candidate experience for the candidates who aren't getting hired and you're doing the things for the wrong reasons. You really need to stick to, hey, I actually would like to see a diverse slate of talent, of qualified talent that's going to actually have the potential and the opportunity to take on this role that I have open. The second thing that I think is Mm -hmm. a, a mistake or a pitfall is talking more than actioning. I think a lot of people get into the habit of talking about what they want to do from a diversity strategy and never get to the full-on action and execution of those strategies. I am not big on a, a, a big talking game. Action really shows the impact. So people really need to just, as I said before, take those two to three initiatives that they want to do. Don't talk about them for a long time. Get them out there, get them going and action them to make sure you can see results quicker. And I think the third thing, especially Mm. from a leader perspective, is leaving this all up to recruiting. It's a partnership. It's a community effort. As a leader, you honestly have to work hand in hand with your recruiting organization to build a very strong diversity strategy for your searches, for your team, and also for the company. You mentioned earlier that it's a pretty poor candidate experience when they know that all of this is happening around them and they know that they're just being hired to dig a box. I mean, people often know if they're a diversity hire, right? People often suspect, I think I've been Mm. hired to tick this particular Mm. box. So I don't know if people really know, but I also believe that if you're doing this for the wrong reasons, it's going to come out. Right. So they, they may not know at the beginning of their process, they may not know, If they're hired and they're hired to check the box, they may not know that. 
but I think that anything that you put into the universe and it's not put in properly and it, it's it's going to come back and bite you basically in the ass if you do it the wrong way and if you're not doing it for the right reasons. So it's mm. less about yeah. the candidate truly knowing, but if you are intentionally doing this the wrong way, that's a huge red flag and it's a problem and it's it's going to bite you at some point. And so I just encourage people again, to kind of look at what those best practices are currently out there. Also weigh those best practices. So like for you individually, or you as a leader, or you as in your company, this is the particular best practice that we want to go with. What are the pros and cons? What are our strengths and opportunities and our threats around this? And where do we want to get to with this particular thing? What problem is this solving? Right. Like that's that's the key. Like it's not you're not trying to solve all of diversity. That's a joke. Like you, there's no way Like we've been doing this for forever. So what particular problem are you trying to solve? What best practice do you want to actually choose to solve that problem? What are your pros and cons? And then what impact do you want to make from this? And if you kind of set up everything that you do around diversity in those kind of buckets or pillars, if you will, You'll be doing the right things for the right reasons. And then you don't have to kind of look over your shoulder or, or believe that you potentially are building this narrative that you aren't really wanting to build. You want to build the proper narrative and also being consistent around your DEI strategy will help you build that proper narrative. Mm. I'd really love to hear some of your stories about perhaps working with leaders or hiring managers and some of the sort of the moments mm -hmm. where this all mm -hmm. twigged for them, like their aha moments, like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this wrong the yeah. whole time. I finally get yeah. it. Do you have any stories um, like that? So I can give, uh, I'll give more of an overarching story, not a specific story. In my career, it's something about my style that leaders, especially leaders in tech, tend to lean into. And I think it's a little bit of, I'm a subject matter expert in my lane and they're a subject matter expert in their lane. And we respect, <laughs> we really respect those areas. And I also give people mm. space to be wrong, space to be vulnerable, space to say things maybe they won't say outside, but they'll say behind closed doors with me. And the reason I give them that space is because I am looking for partners. I'm looking for allies. I'm looking for leaders who actually do want to make a difference. And I don't expect a white male to actually know what my experience is as a black female in tech. I don't have that expectation, mm. but I need them to know I don't have that expectation. So feel free to tell me what you're trying to communicate in this room, it's just you and I, it's Vegas, if you will, right? It's not going to go outside this room, but <laughs> you and I are going to work together to make mm. sure that we can get to a really solid place for what you want as your narrative going out this door as an ally and going out of this door as a leader who's committed to DEI. And that I've had that breakthrough with multiple leaders who have flat out said to me, I don't know what to say, or I'm afraid to say mm. X. This is what I mean, and I really care, and I really want to see a change and a difference. 
this is how I plan to talk about it. And I will say, yeah, don't say that. (laughs) 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 But here, now that I've heard your heart, I've heard your mind, Mm. I hear where you want to go with this. Here's how, let's frame it up this way. Because I think this is really what you're trying to say. And this is how it'll land from my experiences with the different DEI communities. And that has just been paramount in my career. It has really dictated how I approach leaders in talking with them about DEI, because we also have to respect that some leaders have just grown up in in the workforce, and this has never been a topic for them. I know that may feel strange, sound strange, but it's true. And I live in my truth with that. And I honor that, that they may never have had this conversation. And then another thing that I just, I always have to say, sometimes people are intimidated by leaders. So they don't have these hard conversations with them. You can't be intimidated when it comes to diversity because they're going to be the ones who are going out and speaking about the company. They may be asked about a DEI question. Are they prepared and are they prepared in a way that it's genuine and it's real? It's not scripted. It's just we may have taken what they were going to say and made it more polished and buttoned up, but it's it's who they are. And we want those types of things to shine through. And you have to give the leaders space to do that. And you also have to meet people where they are and help take them on this journey. Mm. Well, what are some of the things that people say to you behind closed doors I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some people listening thinking god you know I'm I'm also scared to say the wrong thing and mm-hmm. you know, I would love to have the opportunity to, to speak to you that they might be thinking and feeling and and you know the same things that these people have said to you can you give us a few examples one particular instance is a leader wanted to influence uh, leaders within their organization to embrace having a diverse slate of talent. And let me explain this part. So with a diverse slate of talent and bringing the diverse slate, there is also, you are weighing, moving forward with hiring the best talent at that time and having a diverse slate of talent. So those are the two things that you're mm-hmm. trying to weigh, weigh out at the same time. And it's that middle layer of management. So you may have commitment from the leadership, but the middle layer of management who's like under pressure to hire these roles as quickly as possible because they have to get products or consulting gigs out the door or whatever their, their initiative is that they have to get out the door that they need bodies for. Sometimes it's very hard to influence the um, middle management to lean into the diversity strategies. So You may have a leader who will flat out tell me, I have two people who aren't committed to diversity and I don't know what to do with them, right? They're bullish on this. They just want to get hires done. And it's really talking to them through is you both are going towards the same goal. You're just getting there in a very different way and just helping them to influence their managers that, yes, we have the same goal. You want to go this way. I want to go this way. But let's try this way because we have an opportunity to see more talent. And when we're talking about not from even just an ethnicity or gender perspective, but more talent from cognitive diversity, 
we have not talked to people who have been in these industries or have gone to these schools or have been at these companies that have this robust set of experiences that could be the game changer for your role. So it's really giving them the tools to understand of how to talk to their managers and get them over that hump. And I, I feel like one part of it is, I call it my 80-20 rule. I want to spend 80% of my time with individuals who actually understand why we are focused on DEI and why it's important and why it's for the greater good. And I'm not going to spend a majority of my time with that 20% who couldn't care less. Mm. I'm not going to do it, right? Like if I have like this huge chunk of people who are like just like powering ahead, they know this is the right thing, let's go in this direction. I'm going to provide that 20% with the same resources that I give the 80% but I'm not going to give them as much of my time because I need to be moving this forward. They're not moving it forward yet. Mm. So I always tell people you're either going to get on the train and ride with us, or you're going to be left at the station. That's completely up to you. I like that. Okay. Something I would love to get your take on every so often people write into Tiger Hall with a workplace issue that they're not sure how to handle. Mm Mm-hmm. And someone wrote me a message recently and essentially saying, I am really committed to diversity, diverse hiring. I want to, this, this message was specifically about wanting to promote more women. Mm. And this person had noticed that since he he had become committed and speaking vocally about wanting to promote more women within the organization, that there were certain sort of whispers from a lot of the men in the organization that, oh, now women have an unfair advantage. This isn't fair. Mm. And mm-hmm. he didn't know how to, he doesn't know how to address that. What, what's your advice to anyone <laughs> who might be in a similar situation? Oh, that's, that is tough. Um, one leader that I used to work with said to a very similar question from a leader on his team, he actually opened his office door and said, step out here for a second because they had like a management pool in the middle. And then it's more of the the, um, ICs or individual contributors around them. He says, look over into the management pool and tell me what you see. It's all men. Right. Yeah. Right. So Mm. that the visual (laughs) was enough for that person. And typically if you can have that type of conversation of like, Hey, what is the makeup of our current leadership staff? Like the reason that we are trying to get more women promoted is because there is no diversity within that. And we need different thoughts, experiences, opinions, ideas to make this more diverse and inclusive when it comes to our leaders. And what do you propose as a different way of doing that to get that inclusion? So sometimes even like punting it back to them to actually process through what they're actually saying, because it can feel unfair. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It can feel unfair, but do we have an inclusive environment right now? If we don't, this is the solution that we've put in place to help solve for that. And these are the reasons why we think it's important to have inclusivity with regards to our leadership. And third, how do you propose that we do this 
differently if you don't think that that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And you, and you put it really beautifully. I, I can sort of imagine resentment might start to bubble up if, so say, say I'm a white man mm-hmm. and I've got this, I've got a sort of female counterpart or, you know, a counterpart who's maybe sort of in racial minority or something like that. And I know that we're sort of both hitting our KPIs in the, you know, about the same. We're we're very equal in a lot of ways. Resentment might start to come if you think, I'm fighting a losing battle because when it comes to promotion time, they're going to get the promotion and not me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And and what I would say is, Promotion still needs to be based on actual KPIs and that person's performance. So if there's only one role that's open and you have a man and a woman that are vying for that role or that promotion, it should not just be given to the woman because of gender. She still needs to come to the table as any woman that I have ever talked to who wants a promotion. They don't want it based on being a woman. They just want an equal playing field and an equal assessment and evaluation to be able to compete for that promotion. Mm. And so if that woman and that man who are going for that promotion have um, one stands out over the other, that should be clearly documented or clearly evident to either one if the other one gets the promotion. But yeah, I, you don't you don't promote based on gender or ethnicity or anything mm-hmm. like that, like any protected classes. You promote on the best talent for that role and how they have performed overall. And are they ready for that next step? Maybe we can round this off with some action steps for, for people. What are some key things to think about to make sure you're hiring yeah. for the right reasons? It's yes, not yes. just ticking oh, a box. Goodness. So it starts with yourself. Is very personal. It's super personal. Is your network diverse? Right. So we're asking the recruiters to go out mm-hmm. here and make magic and find all the right talent and have a diverse slate of talent. We also rely on referrals. So me as a leader, I want to make sure that my network is diverse enough or I'm even asking the right questions for referrals of my network to get me more diverse talent coming in the door. As I said before, it is a partnership. So what am I doing and what am I owning personally for my own network? The second thing is ask the hard questions of the recruiters because nothing is going to change if we honestly don't say to the recruiters, if they're coming to the table and they're bringing the same candidates from the same schools, from the same companies, and you're not seeing a diverse slate of talent, if you continue that process, you're going to get the same results, right? Because nothing changes if nothing changes. So only time this is going to change is when those recruiters bring the same talent to the table, ask them directly, hey, what are you seeing out in the market? I would like to see more diversity within the talent that you're presenting to me. So in our next session, let's make sure that there's a diverse slate of talent for me to consider for these opportunities. That's where the real change happens because the recruiters are getting this in pieces. So they may be trained from a diversity perspective. A lot of them have their heads in the right place and want to do the right things for the right reasons. But they're also struggling with putting talent in seats. Right. And so that's their core job is to get talent in seats. And so they're trying to get there as fast as they can. So sometimes bias creeps in. And what I look for are these checkpoints from leaders 
in these sessions where they're doing talent reviews to say, hey, bias may have crept in along the way. So let me check it at this point to say, hey, I'm not seeing enough diverse talent as a part of our talent reviews. So let's check in next time and see what you can bring to the table that is more of a diverse slate for us to consider. And I think the third and final action step Mm -hmm. is if you have influence or partnership with the teams that actually build out the DEI strategy for your organization, get to know what the best practices are in the market and start to use them. You don't have to reinvent anything. There are so many strategies out there. There are subject matter experts such as myself who are willing to talk about this pretty openly uh, because at the end of the day, when we take on these roles as diversity leaders or DEI leaders, we're not just taking it on for the company that we're currently with. We're actually trying to change and influence the entire landscape. So the things that we have done on the companies or the experiences that I've had, I am open to sharing those things to make sure those best practices are actually permeating the industry and making a change more across the industry and not just for whatever company I am with at any given time. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much, Donnie. You're welcome.